Hey guys, Paul Reddick here. Welcome to the Baseball Dads Podcast. The world of baseball and the youth and especially the high school game is changing so rapidly. These rapid changes are bringing about a lot of confusion, a lot of frustration for today's parents that are trying to bring their son up in the game. So the purpose of this podcast is to use the experience of dads who have already gone through this journey and have navigated it successfully so we could take aim at that confusion and frustration and knock it out. We're going to talk to these dads about what they did right, about what they did wrong, what they would do more of, what they would do less of, and they're going to give you their advice for today's parents that are going through this game. So stay tuned for today's podcast. And make sure you go to BaseballDadsNewsletter.com where you can get a free trial in our monthly Baseball Dads Newsletter. So without any further delay, let's get on to today's show. Hey guys, welcome back to another edition of the Baseball Dads Podcast. I'm pretty excited today. Our guest is Troy Silva. And um, I learned about Troy a few weeks ago when he, uh, he had posted a video that was shared by a couple of my friends uh, on Facebook of him and his buddy kind of doing some really funny remarks that parents would make at travel ball games. So I'm going to ask him a little bit about that. We're going to get his philosophy on coaching, state of baseball, and hitting. Uh, so, Troy, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Welcome to the show. Awesome, man. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, so let's let's get your, your, your info out of the way first. How can people – I know you have some hitting programs. You do consults. You have a, a, a great book. How can people kind of get a hold of you – as they listen to this podcast, I'm sure they'll want to. Why don't you give out your website and all other info you'd like to share? Uh, yeah, I have um, – there's probably three or four things that um, we kind of offer to the public. The first thing is my website. So the website is kind of my way of offering some free information to the public regarding anything baseball. I do anything from how to hit to parenting to, you know, coaching, stuff like that. And in the website, I do offer evaluation assessments. Uh, I've done – tens of thousands of assessments evaluating players. I'm a professional scout, too, so I try to give players an honest assessment of where they're at, where they stand, and just kind of a mapped-out plan of attack to actually get real, real improvements. Uh, and then in there as well, I also do uh, hitting analysis, real hitting analysis, not your typical hitting analysis where you kind of analyze the swing, but I give feedback about how to actually improve and get better and actually fix your hitting versus just fix your swing. I can fix your swing, too, but uh, that's in there. And then the last thing in the website is the mentoring. I try to be a mentor to uh, anybody that has the desire to want to be mentored both on and off the field. So I mentor a few kids all over the country and um, just try to do that too as well. So there's my website. That's TroyPSilva.com. Uh, we also at Rio Athletics have the RioBaseball.tv, which is our basic um, video hub to everything, pitching, hitting, fielding, catching, weight training, pretty much everything that we do. We have probably four to 500 videos in there. And then the last thing is my book, The Nine Innings of Hitting. Um, that's available on Amazon and uh, some other places, too, as well. Awesome. Awesome. So give, give us a little background. Give us a few minutes of, you know, I know you played some professional baseball. Kind of t- give, us, give us a little snapshot into your world. Uh, well, obviously played baseball like everybody else growing up. Um, from California, so Central California, Tascadero. Always played be- baseball growing up. I would consider myself a average to good player, kind of go, you know, growing up, play Little League All-Stars, played high school ball, and then all of a sudden, my senior year in high school, I just got really good somehow, and um, really didn't put a lot of work into it, just just got good, and was all these accolades in high school, all, all California State, all that kind of mumbo-jumbo, um, and then ended up uh, going to play some Juco ball at Cuesta College, 
in uh, San Luis Obispo, California, and uh, played there for two years, transferred to Lewis Clark State College up in Idaho, and played for the craziest coach in America, and uh, ended up getting drafted by Cleveland as a pitcher, which was the worst day of my life, because I never pitched before, and I hated pitching, um, but I threw really hard, so they tried to make me a pitcher, so I ended up playing, I don't know, I think it was five or six, seven years in pro ball, you know, just basically battling through arm injuries and stuff like that, and um after I was done playing there, in a nutshell, with my college roommate, uh, and friend, buddy, Jose Rio Berger, I had this academy up in Seattle, and my wife and I moved up here, I think it was 2002, and we've been here ever since, just doing training and helping kids and helping coaches and families, and we do everything from hitting lessons to college mentoring to fall baseball to team training. It's just kind of a never-ending cycle of just trying to help people and help kids, you know, accomplish their dreams. That's awesome. So, our, you know, our listeners are, are dads. You know, obviously, it's called the Baseball Dads Podcast. I know you, uh, just all the stuff I've, I've seen and read, you have a strong uh, family um, presence in everything that you do. And I just, before we get started, it's funny how much I respect that. Um Awesome. What do the dads need to know? I like to kind of ask, you know, like, we have our world here. You have your world there. Based on what you see in your world, if you were sitting down with a dad at Starbucks and he said to you, Tori, what do I need to know? What do I need to know? My kids, you know, coming up in baseball, it's starting to get into these teens and all this kind of stuff. Let's say you're sitting across from a dad with a 9, 10-year-old kid. What does he need to know? Well, the first thing is, is I've been very, very blessed in my everyday job of what I get to do. And it's kind of a sad thing, but I've learned over the years of what not to do. So I feel like, you know, dealing with, I mean, we have 10,000 kids a year almost come through our doors and it's a lot of families, it's a lot of kids. And I've learned over the years what not to do, quite honestly, by other people's mistakes and failures. So it's a huge blessing, <laughs> kind of, uh, but at the same time, you kind of, you kind of look back and you're like, man, you know, you, you look back and you say, oh, that that family did it totally wrong or that family did it right. And yeah, I, I think just by being in the environment that I'm in on a, on a daily basis, it's just giving me a good, clear perspective of kind of what not to do and what to do. Um, if I was specifically talking to a dad, um, I have a 10-year-old, so I have a 10-year-old in baseball right now and um, never really coached him. This is the first year he's actually wanted me to coach him. And I've tried to stay away from actually coaching my own kid because I know it's tough. And there's, there's a lot to it, but um, it's it's not an easy thing, especially when your kid's kind of just kind of chill and not very motivated, and he just kind of goes through the motions. So it's tough as as far as that's concerned. So I've kind of stayed away from it. But my main advice would be number one, keep your relationship with your child um, most important. So I think a lot of relationships um, are broken through sports. And my friend Jose Rio Berger wrote a book uh, called Create, Creating Relationships, Winning Relationships in Sports, and it's amazing. He just basically gives his testimony about, you know, what his life's been and all that kind of good stuff. And he talks about that aspect of how relationships could be broken through sports. And, and, and you know, it's just the society we live in these days. It's, it's crazy. So I think the first thing to adapt is, like, keep your relationship um, keep your relationship focused. Make sure you're there for him as a person more than just a baseball player. And then the second thing is just keep it fun. It's like I think there's so much fun that's being missed out on in baseball these days. It's it's crazy. I posted something the other day. There's six shoot national t-ball tournaments, and I'm just like it's so uh, I'm, beyond ridiculous. I'm on it too. Well, I, it's, we it's, actually it's beyond ridiculous. 
Yeah. Yeah, we actually invited the guy onto the podcast. So uh, at first he was uh, – I just posted actually on our Facebook. At first he was all like, yeah, and then he was all like, nah. So um, <laughs> let's see. But, yeah, like we're uh, – yeah. it's going to be the subject of our podcast next week, that tournament. It's interesting to me yeah. that it's T-ball, right? So yeah, they literally can't play the game. Yeah, like they, they they can't pitch, they can't hit a thrown ball. I assume there's no catcher, right? So there's no yeah. battery, there's no there's no hitter, and so before they can actually play the game, we're, we're teaching them that the object of the game is to win a tournament before they can yeah. even play. Yes, you know? exactly. <laughs> um, that's great. Yeah, I, I mean we're definitely on the on the same page, and I, we believe the same things. Here's a question I always ask guys who, who played a little bit of professional baseball. You obviously said you were great. You know, it clicked for you in high school. So that's one thing that I would encourage dads to listen to from your story is that how many guys don't get a chance to get to that senior year where it might click? Yeah. You know, there's, there's, you know, but you play professional baseball. If I'm a dad sitting across from you in Starbucks and I say, my kid's really good, how hard is professional baseball? Well, I mean, honestly, I I I thought it was easy. Quite honestly, I just threw hard. And I think one of the one of the things that um, one of the things that I think I was successful at as a pitcher is understanding hitting. So I think I actually did really well in professional baseball as far as like the, you know stats and numbers and all that kind of stuff, just because I understood hitting on on a different level that most pitchers probably didn't. So I was able to to you know mentally adjust to what they were trying to do and vice versa, all that kind of good stuff. But definitely. The talent level is crazy. Um, the, the as far as the overall talent and, and the play professional baseball, it's just it's crazy. They're they're really good. You got some young kids that are in there developing, and, and that just is what it is. But it's not an easy thing to play professional baseball. Of course, at, as a, at a young age, if you really like baseball and you know you're a baseball kid, and your goal is to play pro ball or make it to the major leagues, and then you kind of get into playing, and you're like, man, I'm just <laughs> I'm not as good as I thought I was, or I, you know, it just it just becomes this different approach. So it's it's not to say that you can't go out there and try to accomplish your goals and your dreams, but I think that's that's where our society and our culture is these days. It's a it's a misinterpretation of how how easy it is to play at that level, and it's it's like this fake quest to try to travel all over the place to accomplish your goals. It's like the focus just needs to be on just improving and getting better. And if it happens, it happens. You can't. You can't just buy your way into pro ball, or you can't travel your way into pro ball. You got to be good enough, and that's where that's where most kids and parents fail these days. They think they got to travel all over the place or pay for whatever to do it, and it's it's just not the truth. Yeah, I, I, every time I talk to to parents, I, I start every talk with God makes the major leaguers, and if Amen. God makes your made your son a major leaguer, uh, you'll know it. Yeah, Amen. You'll, you'll know it. Yeah, it'll be very hard to to for for him not to um, for that ability not to shine through. Um, what do you see is like you know I always feel like there's a moment where um, talent kind of hits a block, right? So the kid is like the best nine year old, he's the best ten year old, the best eleven year old, the best twelve year old, and then all of a sudden like maybe thirteen, fourteen, he's like, wait a minute, I'm not the best anymore, and that and that that talent kind of doesn't I think that's a mistake parents make is they think like hey my kid's the best nine-year-old he's going to be the best 23-year-old at some point right where do you feel like that is that is there a moment in the age group that you see with all the players you work with that that maybe dads need to get out ahead of 
I'm not sure if I made sense with that question, but you know, like no, I think I think I know what you're doing. Yeah, um, yeah. So I mean, I see all ranges of kids every day, from you know little guys, you know little ten, nine, ten year olds, all the way up to pro guys. And the common theme is, you can tell. Honestly, I can tell at nine years old, ten years old, if a kid has potential in in playing beyond, let's just say, high school, playing in a college, maybe pro ball one day. You can just tell by just their their swag, if you want to call it. You can tell by their confidence. You can tell by their body language, their demeanor, their athleticism, their coordination. You can tell if they have, have an opportunity. On the flip side of that, there's kids that ended up playing pro ball through our program that you look at them at 10 and 11 years old, and you're like, man, they should go play another sport. So it's like the yeah. development side is so different, and there's so many factors. This is where people don't understand. There's so many factors that go into being really good at baseball. I mean, most people think, oh, you got to get hitting instruction from Troy, and you got to do this and that, and you got to swing this way and throw that way. It's like there's so much to just the mental part and the confidence part and the baseball instincts part and and the strength part and, and dealing with failure and there and then there's grades and making good decisions and staying out of trouble. I mean, there's so much to it that actually goes into do they have an opportunity to play at that level. So I think to answer your kind of question is. Is you can tell at a young age, but you can't really tell. I mean, me for example, if you would have saw me at ten or eleven years old, you would have said probably no chance to to play college ball, and I ended up playing pro ball. You know what I mean? And then I've seen kids where I've seen them at eleven years old. I'm like, this kid's going to be in the big leagues, no problem, ticket easy one day, and then they ended up getting injured, getting hurt, making bad decisions, going to play another sport, doing something else, or they're just not panning out to what they could be. So I don't think there's a perfect answer to that as far as like the age or anything like that but it's just that's why it's like it's kind of like this dangling piece of meat that's there because you never know when kids will develop if they'll get it or if they won't get it yeah what advice would you give to a dad who's feeling the pressure of of hey they're asking my kid to play on this team they're asking my kid to play on that team uh he wants the guest pitch and all these things that are kind of normal seem, seem normal now what advice do you give the dad who has to kind of evaluate those things? What, what should he be looking for um, in those situations? Well, the first thing is parent uh, information is bad information. So usually, I mean, most of the time, the information that's out there with exposure and recruiting and travel ball and this and that is usually parents just talking and, you know, or talking to somebody that's all about just taking their money, like a 60 tournament or something like that. And then yeah. they end up thinking they have to do it, and it's like this this fear of missing out, right? They they see their buddies' friends doing this, and they see their other kids doing that, and they just don't want to miss out on the opportunity for their kids. But I think the first thing is, as a parent, is you have to be realistic about who your child is and how good they are, and then always just put them in an environment that's that's going to allow them just to be successful. They don't have to travel all over the place at a young age. It's okay to play Little League, you know what I mean? There's stuff like that. Now, if you have a little stud 10-year-old that's he's out in Little League and he can't throw the ball as hard as he can because he might hurt somebody, and you just know he's a stud, it's like it's okay for him to go do some select ball or, or play up or whatever. But it's like first, of, first and foremost is be realistic about who your child is and how good they are. And if they're just okay or average, just let them play locally, let them play t-ball, let them play you know, minors, majors, let them play Little League, let them do all that stuff. Uh, and you'll know it if you have a stud. Those, those kids that are studs that everybody knows about, those are the kids that need to be challenged a little bit more at a younger age. But I just I think the main focus is just be really, really, really honest in your evaluation of your own kid, which is a hard thing to do for most parents. Yeah. 
Yeah, awesome. So I want to switch gears. Let's talk about hitting because I, I think we're on the same page also, too, with, with hitting instruction. I feel like too many people work on the act of swinging and mm-hmm. not on actually what it takes to hit. So you wrote this book, Nine Innings of Hitting. Um, you, you know, just kind of, again, if I'm sitting at Starbucks, what, 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 what's the first things I need to know about hitting if i got a, a kid who's starting to develop? Well, let me just start on the hitting side of things, and, and I hope people don't take this the wrong way, but there's way too many people out there these days that are teaching hitting that shouldn't be teaching hitting. And I think people with, with you know, Facebook and Twitter and all this stuff, I think people are, you know, they're wanting the help and they want the information, uh, but they go way too detailed on, on things they shouldn't be going detailed on. So the first thing is, is I think there's way too many people out there trying to trying to pass on information. So that's not to say that the the average, you know, little league helper dad can't get information to try to help his team. It's just saying that there's too many people out there that are, are portraying um, being so-called professional hitting instructors that shouldn't. So, I think we need to do our due diligence when it comes to hitting, and um, and that's just it. I, I don't think really hitting is is taught at all these days. So I literally will do anywhere from probably six to eight hitting lessons per day, um, every day of the week, all day. I get a couple of days off, and I see everything. I see kids that are just bad athletes that can't even can't even hit the ball, and I see studs at nine years old that you know you you got to challenge them, and then you see. You know, girls, softball girls, and college kids, and pro kids that come back. I see everything, and quite honestly, the 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 more I I do the instruction, I told a guy the other day, the more I do instruction, the less I teach because I understand that there's so much more to hitting than just what the swing looks like. And quite honestly, I think most players, it doesn't matter what age they are these days, are being more hindered than helped in the hitting side of things. I see I see more kids that are being taught things that they shouldn't be taught which is actually making them worse as a hitter, whereas they caught it, if they just did it on their own, they'd probably just figure it out themselves. So I think the um, the overall swinging versus hitting thing is, is basically not even taught. I mean, if you go do any hitting instruction anywhere, everyone always starts with your swing has to do this, your swing has to do that. And I'm not yeah. saying that I don't teach swing mechanics. I'm just saying that if there's more to hitting than swing itself. And, and I tell coaches when I speak, I tell players when I work with them, it's like you can't. You can't learn to hit until you have a foundational swing. The problem is the foundational swing doesn't make you a great hitter alone. There's way more to it. There's plan, approach, there's mentality, there's adjustment making, there's vision, pitch recognition, laying off of pitches, having a good approach, making adjustments to pitchers, bat speed. I mean, I can sit here all day and work on things, and those are those aren't those aren't even things that most people even get to because most people think that. They need to get to this certain level of swing mechanics, and then they get to this certain level of swing mechanics, and they don't know what to do next, and they kind of get stuck. So what do they do? They change the swing some more. So there's swing mechanics are just like the bottom of the barrel foundational piece with where to start. Once you get your swing mechanics where they need to be, then you really learn how to hit. And I honestly, these days, it's like, I mean, if I'm dealing with little kids, the first thing I start off with is swing as hard as you can. Especially with these new bats that are coming out, they need to learn how to be aggressive. And then when they learn how to be more aggressive, then you fine-tune this, fine-tune that mechanically. Um, but you can usually fix the swing by just working on the player's mentality, timing, contact point, and bat speed. And the funny thing is, is if you do those things, the swing will naturally start working itself. And then also don't be so quick just to change everything all the time. Let a kid be who they are. It's, it's, if, he's, if he's, you know, a 12-year-old that has a pretty good swing and it's not perfect, but he still rakes and crushes, let them do it for a while. And as they get older, they'll kind of figure it out on their own a little bit. But I think that's just it. I think it's too mechanical. Uh, I think kids these days are more concerned about looking a certain way versus competing and battling in the box. And 
I see a lot of robots these days. I say it all the time. I'm, you see it. It's it's robotic swing versus get in there and compete. I, amen. 100% agree. It's funny. Like probably, I think you're, you're probably about my age. I'm 44. Um, uh, and so I always, my, my, I got to update my like references, but they just come out naturally. So like if you took Ruben Sierra and Gary Sheffield, right? Two really awkward hitting styles. And you took them to, you, you said, Hey, this is Gary Smith and Ruben Jones. And you took them to a hitting instructor, 10 hitting instructors. And you didn't tell them who they were. Every guy would change their swing. 100%. Every single guy would, would, would tell Gary Sheffield, you can't rock your bat like that. Sierra, your hand's got to be here. You can't, you can't, you're not going to be able to do that and hit. Well, they only, would they hit 500 home runs and 400 home runs or something like that? You know, and, and, um, I'm, I'm with you 100% on that. We have a, we have a program called New Rules of Hitting with, it's based on Ted Williams' quote that you get a good pitch to hit. I'm always fascinated at people that are working on the swing before you even know who's pitching that day. You know, before exactly. you even know what what you're going to see. You know, could you imagine? Yeah, I always like to change the context to other sports. And you think about it. Could you imagine LeBron James working on his offense without knowing who's on the schedule that day? You know, that they may have to make an adjustment for a guy who's a better defender or forces them one way or chops him in the court. You know, just running what they want, and then, you know, they'd be surprised every time. Yes, I agree 100% on that. What, 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 you mentioned that a lot of things are there's things to look out for. What are some of the things if a dad is if a dad tonight is listening to this on the way home and he's taking his kid to a, a new hitting instructor? What are some of those things that might be detrimental um, that they should be looking out for? They're like, hey, if your hitting coach does this, it's probably not the best thing. What, what, what would be some of those things? Um, well, first of all, I think people need to do due diligence on who they let their kids you know train with. You know, just because someone played in the big leagues or did this or did that doesn't mean they, they know what they need to know as far as teaching. I mean, that, that means they were pretty good at what they did, but teaching is a whole different story. I think, I think that's where we, where we got to with where we're at in our society. I think that the, the teaching part is the missing part. I think a lot of people understand how the swing works and understand, you know, the basics about hitting, but I think when they go to teach it, that's where it gets all messed up. So the first thing is just understand just because someone played at this level or played at that level, or, you know, oh, this was Bryce Harper's high school coach or whatever. It's like doesn't mean they know a lot about what's going on. Um, and then the second thing is just if you're not getting individualized attention for your child, it's a waste of time. If you're putting your child in some sort of system of hitting where we do this or we do that, then it's basically a waste of time and it's it's not going to help them. And what what that means is is the coach should be able to identify that player's weakness and say, okay, this is your weakness. This is how to fix that weakness, and this is the plan of attack to do it. And if you can't get that, and if the coach can't actually give you the real weaknesses of the player, then they don't really know what they're doing. And it's like that's the first thing we always start with is I always ask kids, okay, what do you struggle with? You hit the ball off the end of the bat, you get jammed, you hit you hit the ball too deep in the zone, are you early, is your timing late, are you scared of the ball, do you pop up, do you ground out, do you go oppo all the time, do you pull all the time. And if you ask these questions, you'll get an understanding and an idea of what they need to do to really improve. Now, these days, you know, the whole let the ball travel deep, hit the ball oppo approach, every kid that I deal with these days, it's very rare that I even see a kid that's too far out in front these days. And the reason why most yeah. coaches see that these kids are too far out in front is because they're usually doing some non-challenging front toss or soft toss at, you know, five miles an hour. Of course they're going to be out in front. So yeah. I think these days with what's going on, they, the kids don't get challenged, and you need to make an evaluation of what the kids do in a game or off a live setting. 
because that will give you the feedback of what goes on. So, for instance, I did a lesson with a kid the other day, and, you know, I'm doing some front toss and some soft toss to get him loosened up, and it swings perfect. And I'm going, okay, you know, swings pretty good. And then I start throwing a live pitch, and guess what he does? He starts bailing out a little bit. You can tell there's fear involved. So if I'm just going to sit there with that kid and say, hey, you need to fix this, that, and whatever with the swing, it's not doing him any diligence whatsoever to actually improve. I need to teach that kid how to be more aggressive, how to overcome fear, how to create confidence, because that's what's going to actually make that kid better. And it's totally opposite with the instruction these days. Is most of the time it's just this system of looking a certain way without really diving into what that player needs. So the player needs are the most important thing, and that it's not only just recognizing what their real needs are, but it's actually putting together a plan of attack to how to fix it, which that's where a lot of coaches fail as well. Yeah, again, amen. I think um, I think a lot of dads fair. You know, there's a lot of dads that are listening. You know, they're working regular jobs. They're you know they don't have they don't. They, it's really hard for them to discern. You know, who's a good instructor and who's not. So a lot of these things, if you can kind of go in with a little bit of a checklist to say. Hey, I heard Troy say this on the podcast. This, this guy didn't even go into that. Are things that, you know, if you're listening, these are things you really have to, you know, to kind of, to, to be aware of. Um, cause I think, and I, I, I want to get your feelings on this cause I, I see a lot of really organized, good looking swing practice. Like you said, I don't, I'm not a big believer in the tee or, or flipping a ball soft toss and, and, you know, from front and stuff like that. I think you need to hit. I, I think you need to hit things that are thrown at you. That's what you're trying Amen. to do. And, and it, yeah, and I, I walk in and I see, and for all the listeners, a great trick of a coach is organization. If kids are moving and things look organized and kids are swinging, it makes the coach look good. It just looks like a, you know, it just looks good, right? For someone walking into that too. Wow, this place, yeah, this place is cooking. This place, the place might be cooking, but I don't know if anyone's really getting better, you know, <laughs> if they're just kind of going through the repetitions. Like, so what, what are your feelings on that? So, we have some of we we have some select teams and we don't do a lot of select teams. Um, we, mm-hmm. for instance, our 15U team right now is probably one of the top three to five teams in the country. They're really good. There's there's you know ten Division one athletes on the team, and they'll come in for um, you know, team practice or whatever we're doing that day. We make them do their own soft toss just to get loose. So they'll literally soft toss for two minutes, and then we're going full hour hour and a half of live repetitions. We got jugs machines with curveballs. We got our pro batter machines. You know, with fastballs, we have our 15-year-olds hit 95 to 100 miles an hour, and, and people say, well, why do you do that? It's because it makes them learn how to speed up their vision and speed up their eyes and be able to figure things out. And they'll, they'll literally just go from cage to cage to cage, and they'll just work on whatever it is we have approached that day, as well as just being challenged, and, and that's just it. It's, I'm not anti-tea work at all. I, we hit off the tee every day, but I think there's too much tea going on these days, because like you said, the ball moves in a game, so... If a kid can't learn how to adjust the movements and can't learn how to adjust the, the different speeds and, and velocities, they can't hit, no matter how good their their, their swing is off a tee. So we do some tee work at, at our place, but it's not it's not your typical sit there for half an hour and do this and that. Now, some kids need some tee work, right? They, their swings are horrible, and they need to learn how to control their body and stuff like that. But I, I think it goes back to the whole, well, Tony Gwynn hit off the tee every day. Well, I get it, too. We hit off the tee, right. and, but that's Tony Gwynn. That was his. That was his way of getting loose, and that was his sequence of getting ready to play that day, which isn't a bad thing. But I guarantee Tony Gwynn didn't just sit there and hit off a tee for two hours. I guarantee he was on the field taking live BP. I guarantee he hit off machines, and there was all that involved. And if you so, took it away from him, if you took the tee away from him, he wasn't going to stop being Tony Gwynn. 
Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. that's exactly it. So I agree 100%. I think this is where, if I was to recommend any organization, any any high school coach, any college coach, you have to get more live repetitions because the live repetitions will make the player figure it out themselves a little bit versus you having to try to teach them everything. And that's these kids these days, they get every swing they take. Think about it. Every swing they take, somebody's saying something bad about their swing. So they're always taught right. that something's wrong with me, something's wrong with me, something's wrong with me. And then they get into a game and they fly out one time. And they're thinking, something's wrong with me. What's wrong with my swing? It's like this whole culture. They think something's always wrong versus how about you just get in there and figure it out. And I, I do lessons sometimes where I, I have to say to myself, don't say anything for a couple of swings. Let them figure it out. Yeah. Because the yeah. ultimate the ultimate concept behind that is you're not going to be there for every swing they get in the game. They have to figure it out themselves. So I would agree 100% that there's not enough challenging repetitions done in just your typical BP. And that's what we try to strive to do every lesson. I don't even care if the kid's nine years old and not very good, I'm going to throw him 30 minutes of baseball just to get him to understand the feeling of the ball coming to him and the velocity behind it and all that kind of stuff that goes with it. When I talk about hitting, I always talk about in my garage, I've got one of these little uh, heavy bags like I bought on Amazon. And I do like, you know, just a little part of my workout a couple times a week is just hitting a heavy bag. And uh, I'm going to tell you what, man, I think I look awesome on that thing. <laughs> I think, I mean, I'm la- I land every punch. I land yeah. every punch. Uh, I've never been knocked out. I've, you know, I'll bet you I look awesome because I because I've taken out all the hard parts. Exactly. I, I, like the the bag doesn't move, right? It's weighted to the ground. There's nobody trying to hit me back, you know. And I feel like that's I hear you. hitting. We take out all the I hard agree. parts. Of course, you teed off on that. It's sitting on a tee. You took out the I hard part you. of having. <laughs> so it, it's funny. So. Um, well, it, let, uh, even really generous with your time, let, let's c- put this on the runway. What are, what are the, we talked about a bunch of things. What are, what are some of the things, again, that y- you feel like, it, it, let's say on hitting, that, that um, are really crucial? If we had to give, you know, maybe two or three or four things that a dad should focus on with the son, and we have some players that listen to, what, what would be a couple of those things? And, and maybe they're from your book. Um, well, with this generation, with all the T work and stuff like that, I think the, the main thing is just what we talked about, the live repetition. So I honestly just think kids don't get enough live repetition. I think, that, you know, they want to work hard. Maybe they don't have enough space at their house and they go hit off a tee. And quite honestly, that's great work, but are they really getting better? Um, that's the question. So the first thing is the repetition. The second thing is just individualize your approach for who you are as a hitter and who you are as a person. You can't have... You know, a kid that's 15 years old and six foot four and 200 pounds already, try to hit the ball on the ground. It's like teach that kid to hit a bomb every time he swings the bat because that's his ticket to play at the next level. If he can't learn how to hit a bomb, he's not playing. And it's totally opposite. You got that little slappy lefty on your team that's super fast. Tell that kid to let the ball travel deep, hit the ball oppo, try to go oppo with it, get on base, be that type of hitter. So you have to understand the type of player that you have too as well. And then at an early age, really at an early age, and when I mean early age, I'm probably around that 9 to 14-year-old age, really teach kids how to be explosive and aggressive. Like really teach them some some aggression. And that's lost these days because everything's so focused on how pretty your swing could be. And all I see is pretty swings that can't compete. So if you really teach kids some aggression, some bat speed, really learn how to attack the ball, it just builds confidence more than anything else. And, and you know, the last thing is just learning how to challenge yourself depending on the type of hitter you are as far as what the trajectory is. I think trajectory these days is lost. I think kids are in a cage and they, they crush one really low and they think they crushed it and it's like a two-hopper to shortstop. It's like we have to train our kids 
in the cage to elevate the ball over the infielders to get base hits. I mean, look at look at Altuve yesterday, the smallest player in the big leagues, and he ain't trying to hit an oppo ground ball. He's trying to drive the ball out of the yard. He had three bombs. So it's like, are we trying to teach kids to hit home runs? No, they're probably not going to. But we have to teach them to hit the ball into the outfield at least, or at least to give them opportunity to get on base by hitting the ball harder over the infielder. So those are the things that I would stress these days. And, and you notice I didn't say anything about the swing. Uh, it's all individualized yep. approach, and the swing's just a piece of it. But I would I would definitely recommend working on those more than anything else. Sure, that was awesome, man. Um, so everybody listen, go to TroyPSilva.com. Um, I, I think you probably have heard kind of what you can be uh, exposed to, the, the type of instruction. I, I, as a company, we deal with a lot of instructors, and this is probably the best podcast that we've done as far as really, like, practical stuff that you can uh, you can go use and just change your philosophy about it. So go to TroyPSilva.com. Check out, his, he's got an analysis um, uh, offer there that I think would just be, uh, especially for, for what you're offering it for, I think would just be like a no-brainer for dads to do. Um, if, even if it's just to kind of hear, you know, some more detailed instruction from you on that, I think that's a, a great thing. And then uh, Nine Innings of Hitting is available on your website and on Amazon. Um, so, Troy, I, I, I thank you so much for your time. And um, anything else you want to add? Final words of wisdom? Uh, well, since this is kind of a dad's podcast, I am a dad, so I, I understand what dads are, are dealing with. And, you know, of, of course, all of us dads want, want what's best for our kids. But, I mean, I'm learning more and more and more every day doing this. I just like it's more about your relationship with your kid and teaching them the discipline and the structure that comes along with baseball and stuff. And if it happens, it happens. That's great. But you don't have to travel all over the place to go get it. Just allow them to have fun. Have your kids smile a lot. Don't put too much pressure on them. Um, like my video with Jose the other day, it's like just sit in the stands and enjoy your son watching. Uh, just enjoy them playing the game while you're watching. You don't have to pace up and down. Just don't say stupid stuff to them. Just let them figure it out. There's there's a lot to it. Uh, I think that um, some dads actually mess up. But we all want what's best for our kids, and, and just the best way to do that is just love them, You know, spend the time with them, and, and don't pressure them too much. Hey guys, it's Paul again. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. We really hope you got a lot out of it. We have so much more to come for you. And thank you so much for trusting us with your baseball education and also the development with your child. It's something that we take very seriously and really means the world to me and the rest of the staff here at Paul Rick Baseball and Baseball Dads Podcast. So thank you so much. We would love it if you would leave a five-star rating and a great review of this podcast. That's how it helps us get the word out about the podcast so that other dads can share in this information that we need so much. Also, don't forget to go to Baseball Dads Newsletter where you can get a free trial subscription in our Baseball Dads Newsletter. Again, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I can't tell you what it means to us that you would tune in and we're just loving bringing this information to you. So again, thank you so much and we'll see you on the next show. Hey, it's Paul Reddick. Thanks so much for listening to the show. I really appreciate it. I wanted to let you know I have a new book out specifically for Baseball Dads and I would love for you to check it out. You can go to BaseballDadsBook.com all the information is there and a pretty good discount for our podcast listeners. So again, it's baseballdadsbook.com. Thanks.